Father, I thank you for the reality that that is exactly what you have done as we have sung this phrase over and over again, pour your spirit out. God, that's what you've done for your people. You have poured your spirit out on us. I ask that through your word this morning, through your spirit in us this morning, you would encourage us, speak to us, challenge us with your good news. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you all. Good to be singing these songs of praise this morning. Um, It will be good also to celebrate communion this morning, as we'll do in a little bit. It is a blessing to be together as God's people. I wanted to to start by... um, Bringing, bringing your minds to engage and, and asking you a few questions, and, and they might start off a little strange, but, but then these questions are going to zero into where we're going with the text this morning. So the first question is this, um, do you get more excited about, and I'm going to give you two options, and you're going to share if you're sitting next to someone here or, or uh, watching online and you're with someone, then I, I want you to share what, a, what, what your answers are. So do you get more excited about Valentine's Day or President's Day? All right, so, you know, I I don't know what your enthusiasm level is, but go ahead, think about that, share your answer. All right, second question, do you get more excited about playing a sport or reading a book? All right. I wish I could hear everyone's answers. Uh, Next, do you get more excited about taking a nap or eating a meal. You're gonna learn a lot about each other through this, I think. So the last one, and, and this, is, you know, this is a little more obviously uh, directly um, tied to where we're going in our text, but do you get more excited about this life or the life to come? This life or the life to come? And, and even as you, I, I want to, to press you in further on that. When you think about that, I, I'd love for you to bring two things to mind. What are, what are two things that you get excited about in regards to this life? And even if you, you have a, a piece of a note paper that you can write these down, what, it, what gets you excited about this life? And then think, what gets you excited about the life to come? This is where we're really going to be pondering this morning as we look at Paul's words to us in Philippians. We're going to be thinking about this life and the life to come. And Paul processes these things and and encourages, challenges us with his thoughts about this life and the life to come. So we're going to continue our study in Philippians. And Paul is writing to followers of Jesus in Philippi. And, and he's already let them know in this letter. He's, he's talked to them and about their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he's encouraged um, by their partnership. He, he shares with them his prayer that they grow closer to Jesus. As he, he says, my prayer for you is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to um, test uh, know what is right and may be blameless and pure that, so that you're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. 
So Paul has been praying for the people. And then Paul shares how his imprisonment has led to the advance of the gospel. How as a result of his chains, it is now made known throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that Paul is in chains for Christ. So Paul has shared this uh, in his letter of Philippians in the first chapter. And and then he goes on. We'll pick up in verse 19 and think, uh, listen through 19 through 26 this morning. Paul has, he's rejoicing that Christ is preached. And then he says, uh, yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers, And God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage um, so that I have sufficient courage now and always so that Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, then it will mean fruitful labor for me. But what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, yet it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue to be with you all for your joy and your progress in the faith so that through my being with you, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Father, we thank you for the blessing of your word this morning. So as we hear these words from Paul to the people at Philippi. I want to I name two key principles that appear in verse 19 and then explore a central idea with you that's unpacked in verses 20 through 26. So in verse 19 again, Paul says, for I, I know that uh, two things, through your prayers, that's big, and through God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, through um, the prayers of God's people and the presence of God's Spirit, through those things they've been working together, I have confidence because of those things working um, that I will receive deliverance. So the the two key principles that I want to think about with you before we move any further is this idea of the prayers of God's people matter and the presence of God's Spirit matters. These two things are are working towards Paul's deliverance. So prayer matters. Let's think about that for a moment. If you have questions or doubts about prayer, how it works, then then you're in good company. I'm not able to answer all your questions about how, how does prayer work? What exactly does it do? When am I praying and just talking to myself? And what's the difference between those two? And And we're not going to go into all those questions right now, but what I want you to see that is very clear is when we look at Paul's words here in verse 19, we see that that prayer makes a difference. Prayer matters. Prayer was what was working towards Paul's deliverance. 
It makes a difference in the heart of the prayer, and it makes a difference in the circumstances for which we are praying. I don't always understand how it does impact the circumstances, but Paul is testifying here that it does impact the circumstances. So I want you to test this idea with me. If prayer matters, if prayer is what was part of working for Paul's deliverance, then then I think about Paul was being persecuted. He was imprisoned. So um, the prayers of the people that weren't with him, the prayers of people far away, they were working in the, the deliverance of Paul while he is sitting there in prison. So I wonder to myself, um, those Christians across the world who are imprisoned right now, my prayers matter. My prayers for the persecuted church, your prayers for the persecuted church matter. Paul was imprisoned because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And though we don't bump into that reality often of people being imprisoned because of their faith in Christ, because we live in this, this comfortable spot in the United States, which is a blessing, it is still true today. This isn't just in Paul's time that people were imprisoned for their faith. We can think about um, just even our EPC um, uh, missionary, Andrew Brunson, in 2016 and 2017, he was imprisoned in Turkey for his faith. We think about um, a missionary we support in um, Romania named Benan, and he's been imprisoned nine times throughout his lifetime for his faith. I, I want to remember when I look at this that, that my prayer matters. Being prisoned on account of one's faith is not just something that happened a long time ago. It happens today. And, and I want, I've been challenged this week that, that I need to be praying for those who are persecuted around the world. Eugene mentioned uh, Missions Week coming up, and this is going to be a great time for us as a church family to be reminded of all that's going on, yes, in our community, but, but also around the world and the different things that our missionaries are going through. I encourage you also sometime to look on our website, uh, the outreach section of our website, and you can see all these things about the different uh, outreaches that, that we support. And I encourage you to be praying for those. Your prayers matter. So secondly, in verse 19, Paul says, you know, for I know that because of the, your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit in Paul, presence matters. The presence of the Holy Spirit matters. By grace through faith, the Holy Spirit applies redemption to those who have uh, stepped into faith with Christ. Because of the, the work that Christ did on the cross, the Holy Spirit takes that work and applies it to us by grace through faith. The Holy Spirit not only applies that work to our lives, but he then speaks God's word into our lives. He reminds us of God's word as we walk throughout our life. He empowers us to live in accordance with God's word. The presence of God matters. It's what empowers Paul and so many others throughout time to profess their faith in the midst of hardship, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering and discomfort. I recently listened to a, a story about a missionary named Darlene Rose. 
She was married at age 19. And soon after her and her young husband, they went off to the mission field to be missionaries in a remote village near New Guinea. When World War II came, Darlene and her husband were separated by Japanese soldiers, each taken off to different places. And Darlene, from that point on, never saw her husband again. For four years, she endured torture. She endured mistreatment. She endured forced labor and unimaginable living conditions, which led to a myriad of diseases. She tells, in the midst of that, she tells of the sweet presence of God with her throughout those four years. She speaks of his presence with this affection and gratitude amidst some of the most horrible earthly circumstances that we can imagine. Listen to what she says as she reflects on those four years of imprisonment and mistreatment. She says, I understand something about the cost, beloved. That is the cost of following Jesus to difficult places. I understand something about the cost, beloved, but I don't even think about that anymore. I go, I'd go anywhere for Jesus. And I tell you why, because the compensations are so tremendous. I wouldn't trade places with any of you. Those were terrible years. Or I'm sorry, those being imprisoned, those were not terrible years. They were the sweetest years that God ever gave me because it was then that God taught me that he would never leave me. Can you even imagine feeling the presence of God in such a beautiful, close, calming, peaceful, miraculous way that you could live through those kinds of circumstances and look back and, and more than the pain of the circumstances, you see the beauty of the presence of God that you experienced. Now we can look at, you know, this testimony of Darlene Rose. This, this isn't the testimony of every Christian who goes through hardship or who goes through persecution. But this is her testimony. And I can look at it with, with guarded skepticism. Or, or you can wonder with me. Wonder with me, what is it? Is it possible to know a presence of the Lord that is so deep that I feel that in a more powerful way than the most difficult of circumstances? If that's so, then, then I want to know that presence. I want to seek that kind of presence earnestly. If you are a follower of Jesus, I urge you to, to consider this kind of presence of God and to seek it out. Seek a deeper experience of God's presence. If you are not a follower of Jesus then I urge you to consider this Savior whose presence uh, has, is, and will change the world. And he's inviting you to be a part of that. I believe that the presence of God matters. The prayers of God's people matter. The presence of God's Spirit 
matters. So Paul, after acknowledging those things, he, he says, because of the prayer of God's people, the presence of God's spirit, I know that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So kind of the, the elephant in the room is this. Um, is Paul talking about physical deliverance or spiritual deliverance? Is he talking about deliverance in this life or deliverance in the life to come? Because this gets back to that question, am I more excited about the life, this life, or the life to come? Um, so let's, let's think about that and listen to Paul's thoughts. You know, the truth is, 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 Paul, um, is Paul talking about physical deliverance or spiritual deliverance? And, and my answer would be both, or maybe neither. He's actually talking about exalting Christ. So let's, let's look at verses 20 and 21 again, where Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Christ exalted in his body. That, that is Paul's aim. Paul doesn't seem to be anxious over whether or not the deliverance will be in this life or in the next life. That's something to notice, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So whether Paul is delivered from the Roman imprisonment and possible execution, or whether he is delivered into the eternal presence of his Savior, he considers either deliverance a significant blessing. Or as we'll see, he considers either deliverance um, part of the path uh, of exalting Christ. And that is his goal, the exaltation of Christ. He goes on in verses 22 through 26. He says, if I'm going it on, if I am going to on living in the body, then this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, that is the to be with Christ, eternally exalting Christ. I desire that which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body, remain here to help you exalt Christ. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, your boasting in Christ, that is, your proclamation of Christ, your exaltation of Christ, will abound on account of me. So Paul is crystal clear. His end desire is Christ exalted. Christ exalted in me and through me and in you and through you as I interact with you. Christ exalted. So as, he, as long as he is walking down the path, the road of exalting Christ, he will be delivered, whether by life or by death. As long as he is walking down the road of exalting Christ, that purpose, the purpose of exalting Christ, cannot be defeated. The evil one knows that, that he can tempt us away from the path of exalting Christ, or he can um, scare us off the path of exalting Christ. 
but he cannot defeat the purpose of the one who is on the path of exalting Christ. Satan uses all manner of um, worldly pleasures to lure us off the path of exalting Christ. I think of idols of comfort or pleasure or power or fame, how they lure us away, all somehow convincing us to live for ourselves rather than for Christ. Have you been giving in to the temptation to live for yourself, to live for comfort, fame, success, or something else? Have you been giving in to the temptation to live for yourself rather than Christ? Satan also comes alongside every hardship that we experience and he narrates it as a reason to abandon the path of exalting Christ. He says, how, how could you believe in a loving God that allows that cancer or that loss of that loved one or that particular mistreatment that you're going through? The evil one tempts us to accuse God and run. But God invites us to cry on his shoulder and to listen to his loving voice. I don't want to sugarcoat this message. Living to exalt Christ is swimming upstream in our current culture. It is a daily battle with your, with our sinful nature. And it is what God calls us to do through his word. We are called to live to exalt Christ. Tim Keller wrote this great devotional book called The New City Catechism. And it's based on the questions and answers asked in the Heidelberg Confession. And the first two of those are, are this. It says, what is our only hope in life and death that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death to God and our Savior, Jesus Christ? Why and how did God create us? God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it is right that we who are created by God should live for his glory. Is your goal in life to live for his glory? Is your goal in life the exaltation of Christ? If that's your goal, then as you stay on that path, it will be accomplished, whether in death or in life. I had a conversation, a phone conversation on Thursday with Bill Brownson, and many of you know him. He is a, a 93-year-old servant of God, um, pastor and, and author, and he has come to be with us many times throughout the years to share God's word with us. And and I called Bill up simply to ask him this question because I thought he'd have an amazing answer, and he did. And I said, Bill, I'd love to hear you process this verse. Um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it didn't take much for me to ask him that question, and he just launched in. And, and if you know him, you can hear his voice and his tone. And he said, oh, to live is Christ. To me, I can't imagine any day without him. It wouldn't be real life. And as he said these words, I started 
weeping. Because the Spirit in him was testifying to the same Spirit in me that, that these words that he is speaking come out of an earnest, sincere heart that, that Bill believes this with all his heart and has experienced this with his 93 years of life. That to live is Christ. It's to exalt Christ. It's to live for Christ. And that when you've experienced the taste of love, from your heavenly Father, then the least you can do, the best you can do, is to live for Him. Bill's life is for Christ because he loves Christ more than anything and anyone. He lives so that Christ would be exalted. Bill has lived through far more um, difficult and painful things than I have. And he testifies to a loving presence of a heavenly father amidst that difficulty, a presence that swallows up that difficulty. Not that the difficulty is small, but that the presence and the love of God is immeasurably large. So Bill tells me with passion, Paul tells us with passion, to live is Christ. Life on earth is for the exaltation of Christ, our Savior who gives us life and empowers us for life and pours his love on us. To live is Christ and to die is gain. As I asked Bill how he processes that second part, to die is gain, he introduced me to the words of his favorite hymn, said he can't wait to, to have uh, this hymn sung at his funeral one day. And, and he spoke these words of this hymn to me with deep passion. And I'll read them to you, but it won't. <laughs> I, I wish I could convey what he conveyed as he recited these. But the words of this hymn are this. O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep, sweet well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, more deep I'll drink above. There to an ocean fullness, his mercy, mercy doth expand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but at his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. I think of the, the end of the story that Darlene Rose shared as she got back alive out of that prison camp. She gets back to the States and, and she gets to see after four years her parents she thought they were gone. She thought she'd never see them again. And she sees them and she describes how when she embraces her parents, she just weeps. Weeps with, with joy. And then she said, I can only imagine what it will be like when I get to see my Savior face to face. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
live to exalt Christ on earth and long to exalt Christ in the life to come. Father, I pray that that this would be our life, that we would live to exalt you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.